So today is the eighth day of our retreat. And whether you've come to Wapmakchan in person or gathering online, there are many countries, people from many different countries gathered together, all setting their hearts on the practice. Whether male monastics, female monastics, male laity, female laity, we all have faith in the Buddha sasana, the Buddha's dispensation. And we know well the Buddha taught on Magga Puja to abandon all unwholesomeness, to cultivate the wholesome, to purify the mind. This is the heart of the Buddha sasana. And the Buddha taught many methods, many techniques to use in our daily life, in our practice. For instance, patient endurance, the quality of kanti, that which is the supreme incinerator of defilements. For instance, we eat vegetarian food, eat just once a day, practice mental cultivation. And some practitioners practice to not lie down all night long. There's some people who do that. We practice restraint of body and speech and mind, speaking little, behaving according to the discipline, the vinaya. And there's almost a hundred of us here, but it can feel as if we're alone. And people have minds of faith to do goodness and merit, to help out with all the various work around the monastery and retreat. We practice following the retreat schedule. We practice it well to, to its fullest. We do it 100%. And we have the rules and regulations, the monastic or monastery discipline. And the benefit of following this is that our behavior is beautiful and composed. And the benefit is peacefulness, samadhi. And this feeling of coolness arises in the heart and mind, which we can call a little nibbana. Because all those who know say that Nibbāna is the highest Dhamma. And we all aspire to see Nibbāna, to attain Nibbāna. And we see that this word Nibbāna, it's a normal, everyday word from the Pali language of India. For instance, if people would cook rice, <coughs> once the rice was cooked, they'd set the pot to the side, away from the fire. And once the rice was cooled, they say that the rice was Nibbāna, ready to eat. So the mind that sees Nibbāna sees right here in, the, in our own hearts and minds. In brief, we can say that heaven is here in the mind. The Brahma world is here in the mind. And so this merit and goodness that we do that we all practice and train in. For instance, giving bowls and robes, like many of you just did, for the four requisites, clothing, food, shelter, medicine, that which we call sangadana, giving to the sangha. And so we practice this giving with a heart of faith. This is merit and goodness. It's the mind that gives and sacrifices. 
it's different than a stingy mind. So we practice, we have giving, this is a type of merit. And having practiced giving, then we listen to the Dhamma. When we do this, the mind is in a deva state, a heavenly state. The body is a human body, but the mind is a heavenly mind. We call this a manusa devo, or human deva, or human heavenly being. And the mind in a heavenly state practices mental cultivation with the meditation object, cultivating mindfulness over the body and mind to bring the mind to peace, stillness, and collectedness to make it firmly established in that. And when the mind's gathered in peace and samadhi, when the energy is just a little bit, we call it kanaka samadhi, momentary collectedness. The samadhi is just a little bit, and so our understanding is just a little bit. But when it becomes more and more, the samadhi is more firmly established. It's upajara samadhi, our neighborhood collectedness, collectedness that's close to true stillness. It's like the hands on a clock gradually slowing down, slowing the movements until it becomes close to stillness we start to see clearly. And samadhi even higher than this is the ekagata, one-pointedness, or apana samadhi, a mind that's still and peaceful. So whatever level of samadhi we have, whether it's kanaka, upajara, apana samadhi, the samadhi we use that samadhi to cultivate clear seeing, vipassana, to contemplate all form, feeling, perception, mental formations, sense consciousness. The Buddha taught that all these things arise, stay for a while, and cease. We practice to see this truth of nature, to see all things in this way, just like you've all been practicing we contemplate to see this clearly, then we're able to see the Dhamma with such clarity that there's no doubts left anymore. In the past, we may have thought that it's me or mine, and we come to contemplate, we ask, is this really me? Is this really mine? We see that it's just a condition, a condition that arises, stays for a while, and ceases just that much. And if we look on a more ultimate level, then we see that there's no one who ages, sickens, and dies. It's just these natural elements that arise, stay for a while, and cease. That's their nature. We also see that all mental phenomena arise based on causes, and all material phenomena arise, stay for a while, and cease. That's their nature. They arise based on a cause and cease with the cessation of that cause. So when the mind realizes purity, sees emptiness in all things, all the things that we used to see as self, we see that they're all empty, that in truth there's nothing there. This is seeing the Dhamma, seeing the teachings of the Buddha. When we see the Dhamma, we see the Buddha, because the Buddha is in the Dhamma. So in the beginning, we have to train and practice. 
Firstly, have patient endurance, make samadhi firmly established, and patiently endure with all the moods and sense impressions that arise. Sometimes the mind is only a little peaceful, then we just have a little bit of wisdom. But still we can use our memory and perception to see not-self, the quality of not-me and mine. And we can ask, well, why should we be angry or jealous or have ill will or feel greedy? Because life is uncertain, death is for sure. And so it's these two qualities fighting in the mind. One quality is the maga, the path, virtue, collectedness, and wisdom, which is fighting with ignorance, craving, and attachment right there in the heart. If virtue, collectedness, and wisdom have more energy and power, then they win over the defilements. But if ignorance, craving, and attachment have more power, then, then they win over the path factors. Because in the beginning, virtue, collectedness, and wisdom are weak, just like a small child has a weak body. Just having recently been born, they try to walk, and it's difficult. They're only able to do it a little bit at a time. And then gradually they're able to stand upright, then take a step, then walk. And it gradually becomes better like this until they're able to run. And this is the same as the path becoming stronger, just like the body becoming stronger, more capable. Then we grow up, we're able to study, learn how to have a livelihood, take care of ourselves. And this is like the mind that has samadhi, a virtue, collectedness, and wisdom being stable in the mind. And then this enables the mind to see the truth, to see the Dhamma. When mindfulness is firmly established, samadhi is firmly established, we can see the breath arise and cease. We see it with a mind that's still and peaceful. And we can see the body change in size, become large or small. The hairs may stand on end, tears may flow from the eyes, may have waves of rapture throughout the body. The hands and feet may disappear. These are all types of pity or rapture. Sometimes we listen to the Dhamma, we feel very full in our hearts, feel rapture arise, feel fullness and happiness of heart. And this is something that can be felt very deeply in the mind when we listen to Dhamma. As we hear the Dhamma, we have restraint and composure. We practice the Dhamma according to the great teachers, the Kubhajans. And we can feel very inspired when we hear about the way they practiced. For instance, walking eight kilometers or 16 kilometers on alms round. Here at Wat Mapchan, in the beginning, the alms route would be about six kilometers long and go all the way out to the main road, Sukhumwit, that we have today. And sometimes the lady would invite us to go even further. So we'd leave the monastery at 5.15 a.m. with flashlights, 
we do morning chanting at about 4 a.m. so that by 5.15 we're ready to leave the monastery. And if we had some good fortune, then a car would help drive us back at the end. But some days there'd be no car. That was all right, because we had already had the intention to walk the whole way, even if we didn't have any light. We didn't have running water like we do today either. We used well water. But gradually, bit by bit, the monastery developed by virtue of the faith of the laity who helped out, and we all helped each other on the way. And nowadays it continues that the faithful lady helped to offer the four requisites, helped offer funds for electricity and running water. So all these four requisites that the lady offer, this is all type of merit and makes manusa devas or human devas human heavenly beings. So we cultivate mindfulness and samadhi to be firm, to give rise to rapture. The body and mind feel light. We don't have any doubts about this. In rapture, fullness of heart arise often. Mind is still and peaceful with the mind, with the happiness of samadhi. We see that this type of happiness is a type of happiness that we've never experienced before. Because the happiness of sight, sound, smells, taste, touch, and mind objects, all the things that we like and enjoy, these are sense objects we're attracted to, which is the way of indulging in sensuality. Then when we get separated from the things we like, then aversion arises then we can fall into the path of self-torture. So therefore we practice the middle way. Venerable Ajahn Chah said it's like putting a log in a river. If we make sure that the log doesn't go too far to the left or right, because if it did, it would hit the left shore or the right shore. But if we keep that log in the middle, not too far to the left or right, and that log will go all the way to the great ocean. So we practice and train like this. We meet with happiness and suffering, pain and pleasure. We have mindfulness and clear awareness to not fall into liking or disliking with regard to these experiences. And when we practice like this, we're able to understand the Dhamma. But in order to do this, we have to go against the stream of the world. Do you see? The stream of the world is that which brings the mind into the paths of greed, aversion, and delusion. That's the flow of the world. So in order to go against the flow of the world, we need patient endurance and mindfulness. At first, the mind lacks mindfulness because we need to cultivate mindfulness to know and see the Dhamma. We see that there's different types of mindfulness, like the mindfulness of a cat trying to catch a mouse. That cat also has mindfulness in trying to catch the mouse. So actually we all have mindfulness, but it's not right mindfulness. It's not correct mindfulness. 
samasati is correct mindfulness. And that's mindfulness that recollects or brings to mind the body, feeling tone, the mind, and dhammas. Recollecting the body, for instance, we can look at the breath, go in and out, or contemplate the body. This is recollecting at the body. And it's in the beginning, mind, or sorry, in the beginning, wisdom is not arising. So we, we just learn about it first. This can help us feel. And we bring the mind to samadhi. So we learn first and bring the mind to samadhi that help us feel relaxed and full in the heart. The mind can feel pure and bright. Just like we've been practicing and training this week, we listen to the Dhamma, we contemplate, and we're able to gradually abandon the defilements in the mind bit by bit. This is important to do. It gives the mind joy and happiness and gives rise to clarity that we don't doubt the way of practice. So we practice like this, we train like this, to know and see the Dhamma, the truth of nature, to know it well. So for ourselves, we're on the eighth day of this retreat, whether here in person or online, and we've received the flavor of Dhamma to a sufficient degree. And we see that the flavor of Dhamma is superior to all other flavors. We may eat some tasty or delicious food, and when that food is swallowed, that taste is gone. Or if we don't like that food, and we eat it and we swallow it, then the taste of the food is also gone. But the flavor of Dhamma is something very deep in the heart. Practice generosity and virtue, feel fullness in the heart, and we're able to recollect that goodness and feel fullness and happiness in the heart arise again. Even in terms of the giving of Dhamma, the mind can feel very joyful. And then when we listen to Dhamma, we feel fullness and joy in the heart. So this giving of Dhamma, what we call Dhamma Dana, is something of great value, of great worth. So all of you online and in person, may you all set your hearts on this practice. You've received the flavor of Dhamma sufficiently in order to grow in wisdom, to give rise to knowing, to see the truths of suffering, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering, and the path to that cessation. So you have to train in restraint of body and speech, not to harm others, and to strive in the teachings of the Buddha. So may all of us here grow in mindfulness and wisdom, develop in our minds, to the level, from the level of a human, to that of a deva, to that of a brahma, and then to seeing the dhamma, which makes the heart noble and holy. So may you all grow in blessings.